everybody. It's Ellie Noss with Atomic Moms. We're a weekly podcast that celebrates the beauty and diversity of modern parenting. If you guys haven't listened to us before, we explore the many different options we have when it comes to conception, birth, and raising a child. We interview celebrities and parenting experts. We way overshare about our own lives. And Bianca Kylik is my beautiful co-host. She is currently on the NBC series Undateable. So she's hard at work right now. So I'm going to take a field trip with you guys to Mr. Tony Hale's house. You probably know him as Buster from Arrested Development. And he just won his second Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actor uh, on Veep, which he stars in opposite Julia Louis-Dreyfus. He is such an incredible artist, obviously, but he's also a really wonderful man and a great dad. And he has pretty awesome things to say about how we can stay in the moment and be present. His book is Archibald's Next Big Thing. And it's this adorable children's book that I will put the links up online at Atomic Moms on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So follow us there. And uh, we're going to jump right in with Mr. Tony Hale. And the Emmy goes to Tony Hale V. This is the second Emmy win and third nomination for Tony Hale, who was so excited when he found out about his nomination, he forgot to take his daughter to camp. This is nuts. I'm so excited our writers just won because they make it possible to do what we do, and I am so thankful. Thank you guys very much. Um, To the other nominees, you guys make me laugh hard. Uh, My family, my wife, Martel, my daughter, Loy, who I love so much, my extended family in Anniston, Alabama, my mom, my dad, my brother, Mike, my sister, Kim, my theater family, Young Actors Theater in Tallahassee, Florida, HBO, Michael Lombardo and Casey, Jonathan Weinstein, Logan Eisenberg, Rob Greenwald, Stephen Levy. I just had to fear my zippers down. Um, I want to thank... Uh, Mitch Hurwitz because he gave me my first job and finally to my Veep family um, not only these people so good at what they do but they're good people and I'm telling you at the end of the day that's what matters and I'm so grateful to be working with them thank you so 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 much hey guys we are back with Tony Hale in his beautiful dining room with his puppies I know underfoot (laughs) I know I got a I got a two-year-old Havanese named Walter and we just got a new one who's an Aussie, Aussie doodle named Louise. Well, as a repeat Emmy winner and with like a huge cult following, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms and speaking to us about your book and My your pleasure. journey. We really appreciate I it. I love talking about this stuff. I um, have a silly story to share. <laughs> I'm sorry about the background. I it's love like, it. The it's dogs, like my dogs it's are like, in a bullfight. <laughs> Okay. When I found out I was going to have the opportunity to work with you as an actress, I... We did. We just worked we together just worked on together. Alvin and the Chipmunks for Road Chip Kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming out opposite Star Wars. So don't see Star Wars. Because we're going to kill Star Wars. <laughs> we're going to crush we're gonna them. We're going to take them down. We are. And so... When I met Tony, because there's so many Comic Cons about <laughs> about uh, Alvin, Alvin and the Chipmunks, I traveled across the country, and when I met you, 
I sort of tried to pretend like I was playing it cool, like I was just not a fanboy. I was just like, you know, I just happen to have your children's book with me. Would <laughs> Which you mind, I was thrilled would about. Would you mind signing it? Try to play it really cool, except this book is 74 pages, it's an extra so large <laughs> hardcover book that yeah. I... It was really clear that I lugged it across the country. Um, Which was really sweet. And it's one of those things... We, I love this book. It's... it's uh, we probably could have cut a few pages out of it. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. We do. We it is, but it's uh, it was a real act of love. And each page is so special. Like there's little jokes and surprises, and the artwork is so beautiful. It's really beautiful. Misty Manley and Victor Huckabee. Well, Victor Huckabee created the character of Archibald, and I met him at an LA art show probably five years ago. Um, and loved his work. And he told me about the character of Archibald who was named after his grandfather. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do a, some kind of story around him. And then we found this production company called Boxing Clever in St. Louis. And they knew Misty Manley. And Misty kind of adapted Victor's style and they worked together on the on the book. So at the art show, did he have other children's <clears throat> illustrations or what is his he work? He has a real, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a real kind of abstract, quirky style and I just love He had little messages with his work, and I really liked it. And so we became friends. He also works with this organization called Blood, Bloodwater Mission that I started kind of helping out with that uh, fights HIV in Africa. And anyways, as we kind of became friends, and he was the illustrator for them, for this organization. And as we became friends, he told me about this character, and that's how I found out about him. And so how long did the process take start to finish? So my story is when I it kind of the book kind of came out of a personal experience of um, when I booked Arrested Development many years ago. Um, I went through a period of it didn't satisfy me the way I thought it was going to satisfy, and I say that because all my life all I ever wanted was a sitcom, and and that was my big thing. That was like a thing that I really wanted in life, and when I got that big thing. It really, I'd given it so much weight that it didn't, it didn't satisfy me the way I thought it was because the whole time I was like, that big thing's coming, that big thing's coming. And I was never present. I was never um, really looking around being present. I was always looking in the future. And it's that whole lesson if you're not practicing contentment where you are, you're not going to be content when you get what you want. So yeah, so I got what I, I got that big thing and it, and it really it taught me that big lesson of just, wow, I have not been present for most of my life. And when my daughter was born after Arrested Development, the big gift that kids give to you is the, is the whole thing of being present because you have to keep this baby alive. You, that's, you have to be present. And I realized, oh my God, most of my life, I just have not been present. So this whole message I like to talk about because I think in my business, people are always like, oh my gosh, when this happens, when this happens, and it could, mine was a sitcom. It could be someone getting married. It could be somebody having a baby. It could be, everybody's like waiting for that big thing and missing all the stuff that's around them. And so I talk about that a lot because I think people really live in these places rather than being in the now. And I, when I met this friend of mine who did Archibald, I was like, what an interesting story to come up with to uh, match with this character. And so the story is based on this little chicken who gets a card in the mail that says your big thing is here. And he's like, where? And he goes on all these crazy adventures looking for his next big thing. And he goes on this roller coaster ride and all these awesome things, meets this, this whale who does fountain art. And this bee travels around with him 
and is just annoying him the whole time. But the, in the end, the bee's like, you got to just be, man. You got to just be. And he realizes that the card is right, that your big thing really is here. It's not somewhere else. And at the beginning, what I love about the book, too, is when the main character hatches out of his egg, that he goes to school and the teacher asks, like, what's your big thing? Yeah. And his siblings all have their own, like, really special big thing. Yeah. And he doesn't know what his thing is. And yeah. sort of that anxiety of, yeah. like, what makes me special? What separ- like separates yeah. me from the pack? Like, what? And I think a lot of times ki- kids, which I think is not a bad, it's not like dreaming and ambition is wrong. I mean, especially for kids because they're big dreamers. But I think our world many times will be like, you'll have value when you get this. You'll have value when you become this. You'll have value. And it's like, no, you have extreme value exactly where you are. It's not about getting that thing or becoming that certain thing. This, uh, when I was reading it, I was almost in tears because it's taken me so long to learn this for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning And it. I... For me, it was when I had, I got a a tumor in my leg. And so it was like a cancer-like tumor. And so for four months, I was sitting on the couch and I couldn't walk and I couldn't drive and I couldn't be doing the doing yeah, that I'm yeah. so, and you're so a big used doer. to. I'm a big doer. Yeah. I like to hit the pavement hard yeah. and, and I've spent most of my life chasing external validation. Sure. And so when I was sitting on the couch and I couldn't be doing it, mm, so I hard. was like, it was scary. It like, is well, scary. Well, where do I find that love or where, how do I prove my worth in the world? Which is like mm. a sad thing to admit. No, it's true. But a lot of us struggle with that. And because our identity is many times based on what we're doing rather than who we are. Right. Exactly. Mm. And so I, to have that four months, that was sort of a time out of like, sure. Oh wait, I'm sitting on the couch or when I was in the hospital, like I'm just talking to these nurses and hearing their stories mm. and getting to, relate to people on such a more like human level, I realized like the people don't care that much about the big things. Like if when we're actually able to sort of sit across from each other and connect on these basic levels about like our vulnerabilities and the things that we've gone through, we can, our worth is here right now. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what we're doing. I can sit on the couch and I'm still worthy of love. And you know, it's amazing that it really does take those, like your experience, my experience with Arrested Development. And by the way, let me, as a side note, Arrested Development was the, uh, the writing, the people were so talented. It had nothing to do with the show. It had to do with me and what I was bringing to it. But I was just listening to another thing from Nicole Kidman recently. And she, after getting her Oscar, she remembers going into a room and she realized she was the most lonely she's ever felt after getting that. Or something like that. And it was like, it really take. and that's when she woke up and really started making some internal changes in her life. Because it's like, is that all there is? Yeah. And it's like this town, and I'm I'm including myself in this, there's just so, and the world is so focused on these big things to satisfy. And it's like, whoa, there's the simpler form of looking around us and what we have and the relationship we have. That's, that's the shit that matters. Stuff mm-hmm. that matters. Sorry, you, you're totally going to say shit. <laughs> um, I, the other thing that I find now with this is that as an actress in LA, like mm-hmm. it's always been a part of the job. Like, oh, how do I look? Or kind of comparing myself to sure, others. Of course, which all we all this, like, do. Yeah. Awful stuff, right? Yeah. But now I feel so bad for all of these teenagers 
growing up just like in the Midwest, because with Instagram and with social media and with all these YouTube Mm -hmm. videos of like how to do this and that, I feel like it's not just about the actors in LA trying to look that way. Like all of these teenagers are trying to -hmm. be that way too. There were all, all of these people are trying to live these sort of celebrity lives. Sure. And yeah. outside of LA. And you know, that's, that's another thing I love to talk about is the idea of being known because people look at having had a taste of you, you having this and me having, having a taste of quote, whatever celebrity is the idea of people look at celebrity as the ultimate being known. And I think everybody wants to be known. So people think like, how many, how many followers do I have? How many Facebook friends? How, how, what reality show can I get? Everyone's trying to brand themselves to, to be known. And the fact is if you're known by people who love you, that's the most known you need. And actually celebrity can do the opposite. It can make you less known because it can isolate you and you lose trust and it's the opposite of what th- people think it will do. But everybody just wants to be known, you know? Do you find that at restaurants, like especially with, I feel like, your career, there are such diehard fans. Hmm. Like, Does that make you feel more isolated when people come up to you when you're with your family? Or how do you uh, juggle that? that doesn't, that's never really been... The only thing the challenge is, is I've never really... That's a dog toy in the back. <laughs> um, this is just like one big theme going on. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, when it comes to... Um, let me take that away from you. <laughs> so, it's so cute though. We'll be right back. I love it. I love it. I love the chaos. It's so it's such a parenting thing too. I mean, every parent with a toddler is like, "Yep, the constant disruption." It's adorable. What was I talking about? Sorry, we were talking about when. So to go back, when you're in a restaurant and someone oh, yeah. approaches you and you're with your family, and you said there's only one kind of weird thing about. Yeah, the only thing. I mean, I, I when people come up, I actually, I, I don't. I think that's hugely flattering, and I like to. I like to talk about the thing is I don't remember much about uh, the stuff I've done because I've got the crappiest memory. So when people talk about moments, I'm like, wow, that is it's <laughs> pretty funny or something. Or that's thank you for reminding me because I forgot about that joke. The thing that is the biggest challenge is me staying present. Even if somebody's not noticing me in the back of your head, you kind of go, is there somebody? You know, you, it's, it really takes me my own. It's my challenge to stay present, you know, because it can. It can me- it can mess with your mind a little bit. So I I always choose for people to come to my house because mm-hmm. I'm I feel like I'm a little more uh, focused. It's not like I obviously and it's so gross. It's not like I don't want to be in public because I love I love like parties and restaurants and stuff. But if I really want to have a conversation, if I really want to spend quality time, I typically invite people over to my home. That makes sense. I feel like my husband's a screenwriter and he can never go to a coffee shop to write. Like he always has uh, to be home or, you know, like where yeah. it feels like a comfortable, relaxed space. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So you've, you've talked about the discipline of contentment. So do you have a daily practice with that? Mm. And how would you describe the dis- your discipline of contentment? So I would say a daily, oh man, it's so funny. I love to talk about it, but it's actually something I'm, I talk about it so much because I suck at it. 
Um, <laughs> I just read about it, a book about like getting over anxiety and I'm like, I still, I really oh, suck yeah. at it. Me too. I mean, and I, and my favorite thing to do is pass out, uh, my therapist notes. Like when uh-huh. I go into therapy and I take notes, I'm like, I you really take notes in therapy. I took, well, I do it by phone. So I, and he knows that I'm doing this, but it's cause there's so many little fantastic nuggets that he says and, right. and we'll take pauses and I'll write down cause I want to be able to come back and remember. So anyway, anyway, since I, don't- cause I don't remember. See, I, okay, I don't remember anything ever. Right. I also have facial amnesia. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? I thought so I was just... self-absorbed, but I think I genuinely have. So you, that's interesting. So you, what about people's names? Is it something oh, impossible. Impossible. Which is now with but a even daughter faces, in preschool. Forget it. Like, even I'm not... faces you have a hard time with. Sometimes, yeah. Like if I met you in the past year once, there's a good chance I won't remember, even if we've had an in-depth conversation, which is terrifying. But I think because no, I, I lived so much of my life in anxiety, Anxiety sure. that I think so much was going on chemically yeah. in my brain yeah. that the memory thing got blocked out. Yeah, I love talking about anxiety. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I love it because I think we've talked about this recently of the whole thing of for so many years, I identified with every feeling, every thought that came in my mind, every, and I was like, I'm going officially insane. Like, I'm literally, because. I was just tossed around like a wave. Just every, and when I'm trying to realize like, oh, I can bring aware, I can bring awareness to a thought. I can bring, mm-hmm. a, I can say, oh yeah, there's that feeling. There's that thought and not identify with it. That was like yeah, the mindfulness. It was, stuff yeah, it was revolutionary great. for me. I mean, and again, I suck at it, but anyway, so mm. on a okay, daily, wait, so wait, really fast. You take notes with your therapist and then we're going to get back to the parenting stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you take notes with your, okay. But then I understand cause you want to be able to go back and remember it. But does it take you out of the experience when you're taking notes? Yeah. Because sometimes I find myself sort of hiding with my note taking. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. actually experiencing because I'm analyzing. Yeah. That honestly might be a part of it. Um, but I do know that since I do have such a memory issue um, and he's given me so many tools of how to... Cope's not the right word, but just kind of live with, you know, just practice kind of mindfulness rather than living in a world of anxiety. The tools that I did not want to forget. So I, and I, and I, so I have these just since like for four years, I just have kind of typed out notes and it's been a really fun thing to give people. Do you have a towel of Tony Hale and can we publish <laughs> I will that? say, I've told this guy, I said, you know, I, he has given me so many fantastic not to say tools again, tools, like for instance, I've, we might have should like whenever I find myself in the, what if you say out loud, not now, or, um, uh, just things like labeling things or stuff like that. Like I just, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have remembered that if I didn't write it down. Um, and probably it does help that if I was in person with him, I probably would not be writing so many notes, but there's something about being on the phone. That's kind of a, makes it easier. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So discipline of contentment. discipline daily, um, gosh, uh, what I need to do more of, which I don't do enough, what I need to do more of is I need, even if it's just five minutes, just sit in stillness because it's so hard. It's really hard for me. It's really, my mind really is like your puppies like, yeah, I know. <laughs> playing in the background. And it's not, it's, it's not, I love that the dog is just keeps getting out of anyways. I, I, um, just to kind of sit because my phone is a fantastic distraction for me. Um, my mind is a great distraction of just kind of thinking about stuff to do in the day. 
there's just something about sitting. And also, let me tell you one thing. Anybody who says clear your mind, it's not going to happen. You can't clear your mind. It's nothing you can do essentially. But what you, for me to say, I can sit and whatever thought or emotion comes up, I can just say, oh yeah, there's that, there's that, there's that. There's something about putting that label on it that gives you, he, my, my therapist describes it as a mental massage where you just kind of, you become a little more, not in a driver's seat in a control way, but just kind of not bump, not as a victim to your thoughts. Right. You I, can, you can put a little more of a label on them. I was so lucky before I got pregnant, I did a seven day silent meditation retreat oh my in gosh. Northern California um, at a place called Spirit Rock. And I'm so glad I did it before I was a parent because now, I mean, there's no way I could leave my child for seven days because you, you're not allowed to use your phone. You're not allowed to read books. You're not allowed to write huh. and you wow. meditate all day wow. and then they do these Dharma talks at night. My mom was afraid I was like running off to join a cult. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, but to my mother-in-law thinks organic food is a cult. So I mean, it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's a different generation. Exactly. If there's preservatives in it, it's like, oh well, that's normal. Um, Mad Men's normal to them. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I um, that experience was so life-changing for me because I was able to recognize what the greatest hits were in my mind. Because you you start to notice that the same things play again and again and again, or certain themes. And like I was, like in your book, Archibald's Next Big Thing, constantly dreaming up future schemes. Like at totally. one point I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to write a novel about a silent meditation retreat. Yeah, and it's going to be what's course. going on with it. And I'm like, oh wait, not doing it right now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not here. Which, by the way, sounds terrifying to live for seven days with, because that's a list I hadn't thought about. Yeah, I've heard of phone. I've heard of like, that would be, but books. Not being able to talk to your partner. Not to talk to anybody. So you couldn't talk to anybody, obviously. So you were. Oh, yeah. I had a roommate. I couldn't talk to her. And then the worst part was, or the best part was, uh, no eye contact. Huh. Which was crazy. That is crazy. So, how, I'm, can you just break down your day? Like, what would you? Do? What, yes. what would the day look like? It woke you woke up at six o'clock in the morning, I think, to a gong. Sure, <laughs> love it. And then um, you, we walked to this beautiful big wooden building. Um, this beautiful building where we would do a sitting meditation. I think for forty five minutes. That someone would lead or. Yeah, there okay. would be someone, but they wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't say anything. They wouldn't say anything. Got it. Then we would walk down to breakfast, and we would all silently have our breakfast. Which I can kind of be into because food is at least a focal point. Oh, yeah, big focal point. Like yeah. all I cared about like, was the quinoa. You get really excited yeah, yeah, about yeah. little things. Yeah. But I would crack this hard-boiled egg, and it was so loud and like obnoxious. <laughs> Sure, yeah. In the last day, this guy with like a scraggly beard took his egg and showed me how to crack that because he was so annoyed all week of me like banging this egg. Come <laughs> so on, dude. He showed me how to do it. That's a guy I was, you don't want to be a neighbor with. Yeah. Well, but and then we had like little like work things that we had to do, which at first I was annoyed about because I was like, I didn't come here to work. Like what? Like what? Um, like would I be did dishes, and it was oh, I see. it was yeah. thrilling. Yeah, when you're doing nothing. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> thrilling. It gives you some kind of action point. Yeah, and then we did walking meditations, which mm. were hard for me, and it brought up a lot of stuff because I had just had that tumor surgery and had relearned how to walk. So whenever I'm, so that was 
odd and hard for me because you're walking slow. And I was like, I want to go for a hike. I want to burn calories. I want to do, do, do. Yeah. I'm sort of like have to slow down. So what, when you were in these spaces for 45 minutes sitting in that meditation and you could feel your body going, I got to get out. You yeah, know, it's what like- mine would do is my back, which I'd get a piercing pain and behind my upper right shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that was an issue throughout. And I'm in really good shape and there's no reason for it. Yeah. Other than I did speak to some friends that are more hippy dippy and they're like, oh, that's your heart chakra. There's huh. something there. Interesting. Like, yeah. Okay. And so did you just kind of have to say, oh yeah, now I'm feeling this, but I have to keep this sitting? Yeah. Or I would change. I tried laying down. The first couple of days, I just fall asleep. Oh, <laughs> that's, at least it's an action point. Like, yeah. I'd be like, all right, I'm taking a nap. Yeah. No, because you're, you're, my brain is so used to being on yeah. that being present would put me to sleep because I wasn't used to yeah. being present and being awake. Sleeping, you can check out somehow. Yeah. yeah. So then it. Um, the best part was not having to talk to people about who I was or what yeah. I did uh-huh. or what I wasn't doing or like, well, what projects are you working on or what have I seen you in right, or, right, right, or these right. things that create so much anxiety for me. So to to go back to Archibald's next big thing, that meditation retreat for me was such a great experience of being present and not having to sort of define myself by the cool things yeah. I was trying to do. And I think in this business too, um, you get very used to people with the question, what's next for you? What's yeah. My best friend, Claire Coffey is on Grimm and she's been a guest on our show and whenever she's had to do the media stuff, it drives her crazy. Cause like they're like, what, what are, what's next? And what's, she's like, I'm a lead on a show. That's like actually on TV. Do you get how hard this is? And it's, and it's not to sound like I'm not complaining at all, but it is an interesting thing. You're not going to go up to a dentist and be like, Oh, what, what are you, what's next for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working on this molar. And mm-hmm. it, it's just not a question you ask, yeah. but and, there is in our, in a freelance world, people, they, it's, it's, that's a, you hear that question all the time. Yeah. Or I'll be like, I'm really excited about, the podcast. I'm yeah, so yeah. excited about Atomic Moms and I'm so excited that I get to like talk to these amazing people and right. connect with them one-on-one. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. So how do you monetize that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like a, it's a, it's a control, like how, they can't framework it. You know, it's yeah. like, all right, that does, I got I need some kind of I need parameters because something without parameters gets makes me yeah. And anxious. where where are the values, right? And so yeah, my yeah, therapist yeah. says to me all the time. I love that we're just like talking about therapy um, yeah, she, all the time. She's like, Ellie, this podcast for you is you're making so much like it's like spiritual bucks. Like it's like feeding your soul. Like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where the money is for you right now. Like it's not, yeah. or that's where the value is. It's yeah. okay. Like. Because those questions start to get at me, and it's like, well, how do I get bigger? And it's like, stop. Yeah. B, this is amazing. And I'm <laughs> my, having a lot of fun. My story is mine's full on guilt. Because, like, all, if I'm practicing being present or I'm talking about something, my mind goes to, like, yeah, there's a lot going on in Syria right now. Yeah. And you are focusing, you know, you're, but then I think, I don't, I don't know what to do. In Syria, I don't, I can't fly to, there's nothing for me to even think I can fix Syria is incredibly arrogant of me. You know, I can bring awareness to it and I can talk to it and I can write a a letter or raise money or whatever. But that guilt is very founded in control. Like, what do you, Tony, what are you planning on doing right now? And for some reason I'm here. 
you know, and some reason, and I have to go to God and say, I don't know why I'm here and I'm not there, but I, 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 the only thing I can do is just be present right now. Be you know? present yeah. and publish a beautiful book for children <laughs> that also help parents. Yeah. And you've Helps done... me. Um, well, the funny thing for me with this book was like, okay, as an actor, I totally get the message. Uh, growing up, looking back on my own childhood, I get this message. And I mm. wish you had written this damn book 20 years ago. I was surprised as a parent how much it resonated for me because you mentioned being that you needed to be present to keep your daughter alive. But for me, I didn't expect how future obsessed I would be. I didn't realize that when I got pregnant, the first question would be like, okay, well, is this going to turn out to be a boy or a girl? Hmm. What are we going to name her? Sure. What, what kind of parenting methods are we going to do? And this is like when I was in the first trimester, like what kind of birth are we going to have? What are we mm-hmm. going to do for that first birthday party in three months? Yeah. What preschool is she going to yeah, go to? Yeah, sure, what yeah. college is she? Like all of these things that have nothing to yeah. do with being present. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. being present is so hard, especially that first year. It's so because hard. Like when you've spent, or the first, now my daughter's two, and it's like after seven hours at the playground throughout a week, it's really hard to it's hard to be present. So here, because it drives you crazy. I remember when Loy was r- much so younger, boring. and I'm like, I got five hours with my daughter. I do not know what to do with these five hours. I cannot sit on a floor and play this game again. I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> you know, and it's I, I w- but which was kind of like I, I was an activity dad. Like I was like, all right, we're going to go, we're going to go walk, <laughs> we're going to go walk. My daughter and I became big mall walkers. Like, I we were like, that. I'm going to walk. We're going to just walk around the mall. And she was two, and she loved it. And she'd go up and down the ramps, and we'd walk around the stores. <laughs> and we just, or we'd then we'd go to the playground. Or just, but it was I couldn't sit, and I. It's not. I mean, that's my personality, but it does. You're kind of left with this time, and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, I think people that like spin out are big thinkers. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's easier when I'm out in public or doing things, then I'm not thinking as much. But if you keep me at home for nine hours straight. I, it's it's tricky, and it's kind of thing. Like I really think per, there are certain personalities that love that stuff, love it, and I can, and that's I have to think that's something genetic or, or something. Cause, but personalities like us, it's that mix of some of it's just yeah, we're that personality that is we like to be active, but then a, a large of it is anxiety based, you know. But even with um, oh, shoot, what were you saying before about? It always, for me, it always goes back to, I'm trying to control, like, oh, I know when you were kind of going to the future and the preschool and this kind of stuff, that's, it's a mentor. It's for me, it's, it's a mental control thing. I've got, it's too uncertain. It's too much chaos that I don't know about. How can my mind control this right now? How can I feel comfort by somehow controlling it? When in actuality, the word that is the strongest for me and that I need the most, but that's most terrifying is I'm really powerless to that. I'm completely powerless to where this is going, which, I mean, that sounds like death to me, but it's like, no, I'm, I am powerless to what happens to my daughter. I'm powerless to, I can do my best and be present and be as loving, but I'm powerless to the choices she's going to make. I'm powerless to where my career is going to go. I'm probably, and I'm like, and every part of my body is like, ah! but that's the word that's the most true. When, when, oh my God, when my daughter was accepted into this preschool and she's going two mornings a week and she just turned two, that 
I got the packet in the mail of like all the stuff to get ready for school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to be excited about this. I'm not going to let my anxiety get the best of me. So I cuddled into like under my covers and I I was reading through the material Mm -hmm. and a little Ziploc bag slipped out. I was like, oh, I wonder what this is for. (laughs) And then a little index card for the bag. And it was a, please write a note to your child in case something awful happens. They don't say that, but they, and then there was like suggestions about what kind of snacks and toys to put in the bag. And they suggested fruit roll-ups, which I was like, maybe we should go to a different school. (laughs) Like if there's like a horrible, (laughs) if something bad happens, my daughter's going to climb through the rubble because she (laughs) ate her fruit roll-up, like at least a power bar. (laughs) But it just took me right back to like, oh "Oh my God. Of course. I remember we've had to write that letter so many times and include a picture of us. Do you have to, it says a picture of our family that she can look at. And of course my mind sees my sweet little daughter in the room with rubble around her. Or And I'm like, I'm not there. And it's just, I'm like, everything becomes real when you're doing it. Isn't it crazy? And so it's like, you drop it off the first day of school. So as though like first day of school isn't enough. It's like, also here's her little emergency Ziploc bag. Here's my immediate powerlessness jumping into the (laughs) deep end. I'm completely powerless. So having a nine-year-old now, like what's that like being a daddy to a nine-year-old? As you know, it is kids are, it's the best thing, the hardest, hardest thing I've ever done because she triggers so many things in me. And once she's in a stage right now where she's, she's a little dramatic, like everything she does, (laughs) she just flings herself. Like the other day we were going somewhere and I said, and she had like gym shorts on and it was an invitation to this brunch. And I said, well, we probably should as a respect to them, like let's wear something a little nicer, like something. And she flung herself on the bed and she's like, I don't want to do this. And I just got sarcastic with it. I was like, I'm sorry, did a bomb just hit LA? Have we been attacked and I don't know about it? What's going on? Why do you have this reaction? And and because I get so angry at the drama. But the fact is I was a drum. I was probably a pretty dramatic kid. I even sometimes can speak in extremes to get my point across. So it triggers that part of me. That I have to realize, you know, it's and for me, my daughter, yeah. well, especially a two, like the flipping out and all yeah. of that. For me, it triggered the fact that I, I mean, I don't remember being two, and I'm sure I was probably dramatic. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it triggers like all the repression mm. I feel like that I've had in my life, or all sure. the feelings I kept in, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she just sort of lets it all out, <laughs> which is mind blowing. And I'm also sort of like, I'm <laughs> so proud of her because I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. Then I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. god, how do I? <laughs> How do I, how do I this? tame this? Yeah, how do I tame this? I know. And she, Loy, and she, there's those moments where, okay, there's, you know, obviously we know there's two cries. There's a dramatic, there's a, a tension kind of dramatic cry. But the, if when she really cries, it makes me want to cry. You know, so like, I know the difference. If, if, when she really is crying, I'm like, I don't know if I can comfort her because I'm going to start crying. But when it's that drama cry, it's hard not to get angry because many sometimes I've gone, I know what you're doing. You know, I, I got your number on this. You know, I don't like you want to just ream them, but she's going, she's figuring it out. She's nine and I'm treating her like a 40 something year old. <laughs> That's you know? a great point. And it's really, it's really hard to remember that really and, hard. And you let her help you out in designing yes. the sister character in the book. Yeah, the right? sister of uh, the sister of Archibald is Loy, who's my daughter is named after. And or the uh, character is named after your daughter. Oh sorry, the character the character <laughs> I named my daughter after this 
after this future cartoon character. Um, so, yeah, so <clears throat> she was named after my daughter, this character, and we talked about it a lot, and she was most excited. She was kind of able to help design. I said, what colors do you want her to wear, and what do you want her outfit to look like? And she helped draw out her outfit. And it was pretty cool to kind of her to see that materialize and stuff. But it's funny, like, things in life will happen to her and it's she doesn't she's always like huh that's that's cool and then she's on to the next thing you know she's like which is <laughs> i love that i just said next thing which is not bad i mean she but she doesn't <laughs> read the book she boy. doesn't she doesn't give it as because i think as an adult i'm like oh my gosh it's a book i've got this is my first book this is pretty crazy to, to her it's like all right what's for lunch you know it's it, when i love that it doesn't hold yes. the weight that I think we can sometimes hold it like, Wah! and then you give it, but to them it's, it's Oh, that's great. Let's da da da. You know, it's great. And great. I love it's, you for pushing me on the swing. Yeah, Isn't exactly. That the best it's part this, about kids. It's the same, they don't same thing. care about these don't things care. that we're chasing. Yeah. They don't care. They're just as happy at the park. They yeah. don't care if you've got, although Sabrina would really love a pool, but yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, 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 yeah. But they don't care. And the right, I, one, the one, the thing that I love, especially with us both sharing anxiety is when my daughter is playing with her friends or when she's somewhere, she is 150% there. She is 150% there. And when I'm doing stuff, I'm not 150% there. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm typically somewhere else in my head. And I watching that in kids is like, they just don't, they are there. So focused. We got... Uh, my daughter a kitchen for her second birthday and the way she makes this make-believe soup is yeah she puts so much more focus on that than i do on dinner oh totally and when i get into trouble with her is when i'm trying to control her Mm. or change her agenda Mm. because she doesn't want to be taken out of what she's doing and so it's you know it helps to be like okay in a few minutes we're gonna yeah. Go on the potty. There's still a fight because she is so focused. And those fights, man, it's hard not to remember I'm not fighting with a 40-year-old because I'm just like, I got to win. I got to win. And it's that thing of, I'm sure people have talked to you about this, where we're trying to do that whole choices thing where um, like she she has to go up to bed and, I, and she's getting pissed off. And I'm like, all right, I can either hold your hand up going to when she was little i can either hold your hand going to bed or i'm going to carry you going to bed and when giving her that choice she's like "Mm, okay you can carry me you know it's that kind of it's that kind of she just wanted some sort of empowerment Mm -hmm. and not you know it's she's figuring that out and granted i suck at that we're we're really still trying to learn this choices thing but it's a good technique it's great we uh for our listeners check out our episode with janet lansbury who's Mm. an amazing uh parenting expert and author and she actually helped me out because I was having a hard time. Sabrina did not want to walk with me down the street. She would not hold my hand. And I thought it was because she was being super independent. Mm -hmm. And I think I felt a little guilt in like, that sounds insane. Like no one should feel guilty holding their kid's hand. But I felt like I didn't want to sort of hold her back or hold her in. And she wanted to walk on her own, except we're in LA. So you can't do that. Like you have to hold hands. And Janet Lansbury was like, I don't think this has to do with her independence. I think this has to do with her testing boundaries. And mm-hmm. so what I ended up doing was I was like, Sabrina, hold my hand. She didn't want to. And then I forced her to it anyway. And she kind of mm-hmm. flailed around and I let her have her f- big feelings. And then she got up and she, we kept walking, holding hands. It was great. 
then a little later, she didn't want to hold my hand again. So I gave her the choice. And I said, Sabrina, you can either hold my right hand Mm. or do you want to hold my left hand? Mm. And then she said... Both hands, uh, and so she held both. We held both hands, walking up the street, which is so safe. Which was so awkward because <laughs> we live on a hill. Yeah, yeah. But it, it what did she say sweet. about testing boundaries? Like, what other about testing boundaries? That's interesting because oh my god! Well, we should do a little. Uh, we could yeah. do a three way with Janet. She well, that sounded really. <laughs> she is beautiful. She's a former model, but anyway. Because that t- I like the word that term testing boundaries. I think it's. Because I've heard kind of gaining independence or trying mm-hmm. to find your independence, but I've never heard testing boundaries. Yeah, that one cool thing with Janet, that, or the one thing that I really love uh, that Janet Lansbury says is about, she talks about how when your kid has a big explosion, or like you were saying with your daughter, mm-hmm. throwing herself on the bed, and you're like, what, did a bomb go off? That that's not just the emotion of what just happened, that it's a lot of... Um, residual emotion. So it can be when my toddler flips out, yeah. it's not, it could be that she's tired. It could yeah, be that yeah. she's hungry or whatever, it's the end of the but day. it could also be a bunch of other things that have sort of built up. And yeah. so it's great to let them release mm. all of that emotion. That's really good. I need to write that down. Well, I'll get you in touch with Janet. Okay. So Tony, we know you got to go off to your next big thing. Yep, I'm, I'm sure. Good. I got it. I, got it. Um, I don't want to be president anymore. <laughs> What um, every week we end our episode with a mom bomb, which is something that yes. we take with us mm-hmm. that can sort of give us the boost we need, or just some inspiration, or something mm. that you know, kind of a, a parenting mantra. And I asked you last night if you would just think about something you would mind sharing with mm-hmm. our listeners. Um, I think. Well, I think with mo- with parents in general. I think with kids, you get just this load of guilt that you weren't expected. This just kind of comes with the package. And I think many times, um, anytime I, this sounds again, so therapized, but anytime I get, so we forget to kind of give ourselves what I call self care and meaning. One thing I've learned is the way I talk to my daughter, I don't talk to myself this way. Meaning when I get upset about something, um, frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. Um, if my, if, like for instance, I get, um, I feel less than, or I feel insecure or I feel, um, overwhelmed. Okay. If my daughter came up to me and said, daddy, I feel overwhelmed. I feel less than I feel insecure. I would just kneel down and go crazy with affection for her. I'd like hug her and love and love her. The fact is we don't do that to ourselves. So the way of kind of treating ourselves as though our children were coming up to us and saying the things that we're saying at that moment, and we have to care for ourselves like we would our, ch- where we would our children. I think that we have to remember that because we cannot do that with our kids if we don't do that to ourselves. That is so beautiful. When I was pregnant, I had never had less anxiety in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... I was taking such good care of myself mm-hmm. for the child growing inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to bathe her in the stress hormones. Yeah, sure. And so I was so much for you. 
more chill because I was putting yeah. her first. And so, yeah, you're right. The self-care, like I was able to do self-care while she was inside of me yeah. and then I start to let it Isn't go. Interesting. And then she was inside of you. And I, I, to be completely honest, I have a lot of guilt about the word self-care because it, it sounds very LA. It sounds yeah. very therapized. Or self-indulgent. Yeah. It sounds very self It's just, it's like, if I, it's like another LA person going, Oh my God, love yourself. That's what it feels like. And it's like, but the fact is I am real. My closet of shame and beating myself up is pretty packed, but the self-care is I've just- I've got to walk in. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> empty. The self-care closet is pretty empty. And however it sounds, it's true that I need to invest more into that closet. And I need to talk to myself the way I talk to, the way I care for my daughter. I need to care for myself that way. Because if we don't, then we're too depleted. We're so when depleted, When we do yeah. need- when they do need us, yeah. then we're too frazzled. Yeah. <laughs> Even as I'm saying it, I was hearing like so many LA comics would be going, really? That's about the growth. But it's true. It's, it's super, super true. And we're not talking about like signing up for some $1,000 spa experience. No. We're talking about like sitting in your favorite chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of the stillness is what are we doing in that stillness? You know, because again, closet of guilt pack full, but the self-care is just completely empty. And that, that's for anybody beyond, even if you're not a parent, you know, if you have a, any, any little per, Oh, any little person or nephew or niece or anybody that the way that you talk to them, you just don't talk to yourself that way. You know, even your pets, you don't talk to yourself the way that you talk to your pets. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you for having really appreciate me. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad my do- my dogs finally calmed down. No, we love it. Well, listeners, we'll be back next week. Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. <laughs>